0: You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.fin. It's lovely to be here with you today. I'm Kirsty, by the way, in case you don't know that, I've come all the way up from the deep south, uh, all the way from Lawrencekirk, and... Yes, I was finding this morning very emotional. I want to look at you all in the eyes and say a huge thank you. I can't tell you what it means to us to have a building. Um, Lawrence Kirk used to be known as the Mile of Misery, and we want to change that into a place of life and hope, a place where people can find Jesus and come alive in him, and you've helped to make that happen. So a deep, heartfelt thank you. Uh, It's incredible. So anyway, I shall get on with it. We're still in our series of Thessalonians, which is exciting, on our future focus series. And I'm just going to pray just to settle myself and maybe us and focus ourselves, if that's all right. Ah, Thank you, Lord, that you're here. We say, come Holy Spirit, in this room and in every room that's watching just now. Focus our... Thoughts on you, Jesus, help us to hear your word. And apply it to our lives in Jesus name, Amen. So I lived in Nepal for a wee while. If you live in Nepal for a wee while, you call it Nepal, just so you know. But anyway, um, for about nine months, uh, when I was younger, I went out to serve and have fun. And I did all those things and it was fabulous. But one night what happened was I got woken up As if there was two very strong men, either side of my bed going like that. And uh, I was scared and I opened my eyes and there were not two grown men shaking my bed. That would have also been frightening, but possibly worse than that. It was an earthquake and uh, it was a, it was a small earthquake. I'm glad to say, but I was shaken for the rest of the day because I think Gosh, if there's one thing that we can trust, it's the ground beneath our feet. But even that, guys, sadly, we can't. And today I want to talk about when life gets a bit shaky, when the ground beneath our feet. I love that that's what the kids song was about this morning. When the ground beneath our feet and life happens to us, how can we stand our ground, hold our shape and stay firm? And in particular, when we're talking about church being persecuted and things coming against us as church how can we learn from the church that we're reading about today in Thessalonians just to hold our ground and hold our shape when faith has to arrive for us when we our world is being rocked can we still stand firm in our beliefs so if you've got a bible we're going to read together and this morning is 1 Thessalonians 2 13 to 16 just grab a drink oh there's one there as well thank you And hopefully it'll pop up on your screen. So 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 16. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you brothers and sisters became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus, You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. So a wee bit of context for you. Paul Loves this church and we read about it in Acts 17. Maybe you've gone away and how do we read of that if you've not do so in this series of Thessalonians and This church is proving to be so faithful in the face of adversity and suffering and persecution and Some wonder I'm not saying this is fact some wonder even if this might have been the inspiration for Paul's famous passage in 1 Corinthians about love being patient and kind, not the romantic love that we often use it in a wedding, don't we? But love that the church shows to one another. And it's inspiring. And it's beautiful. That's how Paul potentially feels about this church. He loves them so much. And I'm wondering if it's because they are such good soil, they are good ground. And I don't know if you've thought or heard about the love languages. Anybody in the room have heard of the love languages? But do you think they're a good thing? Do you like them? Yes, a few people have heard of that. Uh, you have. You'll have to help me. I always forget. So it's time, uh, touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, and gifts. Yeah probably the least important in my mind. Any gift lovers in the room? Do you like the gifts? People at home, do you like a gift? This is not my language. So if you're my friend and you love a gift, it's really sad for you. But never mind. But there's a strong possibility uh, with my sister-in-law as well, not a gift lover, my husband's whole family are a bit rubbish at it. But she has the gift drawer. So if you give my sister-in-law a gift, it is most likely going to end up in the gift drawer of doom this is the place of the unwanted rejected forever to be there or even worse to be reused and re-given um, you got to hope that you don't re- get re-given your gift that you've given her I think she's got a very robust post-it note system so it's never happened yet but what's my point <laughs> I think I'm lost I'll have to try and find out my point is there's maybe a difference between accepting and receiving something we accept a job offer We receive a bonus. We accept an apology, hopefully, and we receive a compliment. I know that's a a skill to be learned, perhaps. Not one I've mastered. Love is given and received. Opinions can be accepted. Understanding is received. And I read this description. Accepting is taking what is being offered. Receiving is being bestowed something out of generosity or kindness. Isn't that what God does for us? So we want to be good ground like the church in Thessalonica. And they were such good ground because they accepted and received the word, the good news of Jesus, the way it was supposed to be received. And you might might hear people today, don't you, actually, that actually they can accept that Jesus existed. They can accept that he was a pretty good guy with great morals. But I think to receive him is something completely different. Are you good ground are we good ground church how do we receive the word john 1 1 says the word became flesh in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god jesus is god's spoken word according to john and john explains that the word jesus was with god and he was god the word has come to life as jesus and if you receive him he lives in you And later, I'd love to pray to give you an opportunity, if that's something you've never done before, to receive Jesus into your life. The living word of God in you today. And so many people were told about Jesus in this time, and so many rejected it. But this Thessalonian church received it and allowed it to take root in their lives. And it seems like they never looked back. So he loves them because they are good ground. And he also loves them, I think, because immediately after becoming Christians, brand new baby Christians in a brand new baby church, they find themselves in a place of persecution. They are born into a battleground. Verse 14, you suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. And in 2022, just last year, the advocacy group Open Doors said that at least 360 million Christians, just let that sink in for a second, experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. Which is 20 million higher than 2021 apparently. The group also estimated that the number of christians killed for their faith rose from 4762 to 5898 and i'd encourage you to explore the open doors website a little just so you know what's going on in the world how to pray and i was hoping to show a a wee video with you today i couldn't quite make it work the tech evaded me but I'm going to share a story from the website and you can maybe go and watch it yourself. It is better coming from the actual lady's mouth, but it's a story from North Korea, which is number one on the top 50 most persecuted countries. It's a brutal place to be. It's hostile against anyone who follows Jesus. If you're discovered by the authorities to believing in Jesus, you're either sent to a labor camp as a political prisoner where you're conditions are awful and you're tortured or you're killed on the spot and your families will receive the same fate. It's almost impossible for believers to gather to meet to worship and those who dare they must do at the utmost secrecy. It's an enormous risk. Even owning a Bible is a serious crime. And the patriarchal society of North Korea means that control over the population is especially focused on men. All men must attend workplaces allocated by the government. They must confirm their attendance and cannot stop working for any private reason, making it harder for them to flee the country and be free. They also have a 10-year military conscription, which is sometimes a way that they figure out there's a connection to Christianity. And if that's found, then they're just given the absolute worst treatment. And so most North Korean refugees are women. And some of these women... Are brave enough and bold enough and strong enough and go to great lengths, traveling in different cars, going to different locations to make sure they're never caught. And they want to meet and eat and pray and share the gospel with one another. One woman who talks of a spy who she thinks the government sent to find out if there were Christian meetings going on talks about this spy joining in with meetings and. All of a sudden this woman experienced the presence and power of God she was overcome by the love of Jesus and then she disappeared and there they were never reported so the hope is that this spy really experienced the love of God and was transformed and so even in that situation a spy going out to report on them Jesus can break in and change lives and the most beautiful part of this Story is when you watch, is they come together, they're around a table, and you can just you can see and sense the hope and joy that they have just from meeting with one another and being able to pray and read God's word. It's beautiful to see bursting through the darkness, there's light there. A place of such suffering and persecution. Yet her story was the church is her lifeline the very love they needed to get them through. And one of their weapons is in fact love and the other, other is the power of God. And I know this is somber, it's somber, but what incredible perspective it can bring us. The early church was persecuted. 60 to 70% of modern day church is persecuted. Our church, is it, is it persecuted? In the bigger picture story of history, we are the exception. Right now, we have incredible freedom to share our faith. Limitations here or there, perhaps, absolutely. But day to day, unless you're not specifically allowed to share your faith in your workplace, that's hard. Perhaps our biggest threat is rejection, if we're honest. Our battleground looks different. Our battle is to be different in a world that will judge us for it and still hold our shape. But it's still a battle. Our battle is the internal wrestle of the will I, won't I share my faith? Will I, won't I pray for this person? But it's still a battle. So in our battleground that we're born into because of who Jesus is, we need to try and imitate the Thessalonian church in our own context and try and stand our ground in the face of adversity so Paul uses loads of language doesn't he in his letters as does Jesus about following and walking and following and walking and I was thinking about the phrases the phrase sorry following in our father's footsteps but in this case I think we need to follow in our forefathers footsteps they stood their ground for each other and uh, I went Sea swimming a few weeks ago. Maybe some people like that. I like to call it sea screaming. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I sort of slowly get in and usually scream my head off. Eventually, you know, the daggers take over. It's awful. It's a couple quick breast strokes. Um, it's awful. I hate it. I hate everything about it. I still go. I feel good afterwards. I think that's why I go. <laughs> I need to ask that question, don't I? And I have a friend that I go with who's just just you know, strolls right in, has these serene breaststrokes. It's not annoying at all, she's very good at it. But when I'm in, I pretty much want to leave the water straight away. I want to go back to shore. I'm like, in, dunk, right, okay, we're good, let's get out. As she still keeps swimming serenely, because um, I find the whole thing frightening. But the last time I was in, uh, my friend said she was a wee bit further out and she knew I was freaking out and I wanted to go back. And she said, Kirsty, you've got to swim to me swim to me then we'll get out honestly never swam so fast in my life um, all of a sudden the boundaries changed and she'd moved a little bit further i see what she did there that was a bit tricky but um my point is i would have given up straight away without her i would have left i would have gone back to safety much easier option her encouragement her pushing me beyond my comfort zone then to achieve something i wouldn't have us being together created a sense of safety It's the same for us. We need to stand our ground for each other. When we find it hard, when we want to give up, when we don't want to be obedient, when we fail to believe, when we want to choose the easier way, we need to encourage each other, push each other on, swim as hard as we can to one another. The church isn't meant to be loosely bound association of functional lone rangers. Paul confronts that type of thinking when he writes, Bear with one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The church is meant to be a refuge for those suffering. The church applies bandages. When a member is down, the church encourages. When a member is in need, the church comes alongside. We are all the church and we need to stand our ground for each other. So they stood their ground for each other and they also stood their ground for us, for the future church. So I don't know how you feel about Facebook and Insta and all that lovely stuff. It's a wonderful and awful thing all at the same time, pretty much, isn't it? Useful, harmful. And when I post things on notice boards and stuff like that, in particular for church, I draft a message and then it takes me quite a few moments and my bravest index finger to press enter. Because I'm like, oh, what if I post and the trolls get their hands on it? What if I've misspelt something again? Worse, though, what if they start attacking the church? And so far, honestly, it's, it's been fine. Usually people are lovely. But the last time I posted, all of a sudden there were negative, unwarranted, untrue, unfair, unnecessary, unhelpful comments from people that we don't know in the community. Why? Because it's a battleground and because what we believe challenges and stirs in deep places for people. And the comments were balanced out by some really nice ones as well, thankfully. But in that moment, I had to choose. I had a choice to allow it to rock my world and shake my ground, to make me unsure about who we are, to be consumed about what people thought of us, to be enraged, perhaps, at the injustice and the untruth of it all. And maybe, honestly, I was, briefly. But ultimately, I had to choose not to. And Ephesians 4:14 4, says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. All I needed to do in that moment was think of Jesus. He was rejected and lied about countless times, treated unfairly and unjustly, but he held his shape, he stood his ground And he kept doing what his father was asking of him for us, for the future church. And so will we do that as well? The church in this passage stood its ground and held its shape so we could have what we have here today. Their experiences have equipped us now and ensured this church is still standing. Perhaps our experiences might equip the future church and it might still be standing. Verse 14, for you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. And we can see from the passage that the devil's plan was to gag the church. To stop them from sharing the gospel. Where and when have you felt gagged, maybe? Where and when have you felt that you were silent, maybe when you shouldn't be? I think we're learning this more with our our 12 o'clock prayers, aren't we? opportunities taken and sometimes they're successful sometimes they're not but honestly what a top job just giving it a go just keep giving it a go. Ephesians 5 says follow God's example therefore as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And I was considering the world view of Christians and so often on movies and the TV and all that it's as wet blankets. Think Ned Flanders do neighbor but christians have never been that we are following the footsteps of some absolute legends basically people who poured out their all for jesus so we can have what we have today i've got this book and it says uh it's 70 great christians it says i think there's quite a lot more than that really aren't there but it's got incredible stories in it And if you have time to look longer, I'll I'll share a wee bit about a guy called Polycarp. Maybe you've heard of him. But he was this uh, guy who would not swear allegiance to Caesar. And they tried to burn him alive, which is hard to even just get your head around. And he said, he who gives me power to endure the fire will also give me power to withstand the flames. And in a colosseum full of people, they watched as his body would not burn. Again, hard to get your head round, but incredible, incredible faith. And ultimately, he was killed by a dagger instead. But wow, did he stand his ground. Our bigger history, our bigger picture of church shows us we are not Ned Flanders. We are not beige. We need to take up our weapons for this battle. But before you panic that I'm about to incite a riot, our weapon is love. Our weapon is the power of God living in us. Our weapon is standing out as different to the world. Our weapon is our obedience to walk in our Father in Heaven's footsteps. wherever he says, follow me. In a world that's lost and confused with an enemy that wants to stop us in our tracks, we have to imitate the early church and share the gospel so that we can take ground for the kingdom. I'd love to speak empowerment over us today. Imagining me, if you'd like to, as Mel Gibson with my saltire on my face, you know, a rousing speech is about to come. But we, brothers and sisters, have not been given spirits of timidity, but of boldness. In his speech, he's rousing them to fight for their own freedom. But ours is a fight for the freedom of others. Ephesians 614 to 18 feels appropriate today. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows from the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I want to encourage you today that you have the living God in you. And that we are actually an army that can take ground for the kingdom. We're equipped and protected by him. And I wonder, you maybe just want to take a moment just now to think of who it is you're fighting for. Maybe just think with God of an individual or some names. Who are you fighting for with God? When everything else feels shaky and unstable and there's not much we can rely on, we can definitely rely on him. And then one day when he returns, we won't need to battle anymore. That sounds nice. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess. So let our future focus be set on this. And I'd love to pray now for people if they wanted to receive Jesus for the first time today. Or you just want to think about it as a re-receiving, a fresh acceptance of Jesus in this moment. So dear Lord, we thank you We thank you for the way you went before us, Jesus. For the battle that you fought and won. We thank you for the churches and the Christians who've gone before us and stood their ground. Help us to do the same for the future church. And Lord, we think about receiving you into our lives, into our hearts. And Lord, we we bring all of our sin, all of our mess to you just now. We lay it down. We turn from it. And we turn and focus and fix our eyes on you, Jesus. And we say that we'd like to do that for the rest of our lives. We're sorry. And I pray, come Holy Spirit, and fill everyone up, top to toe. Give them what they need to share your word, your gospel, your good news, your love. Give us the boldness we need, Lord. Loosen our lips where we feel stuck or gagged. give us opportunities thank you Jesus Amen